The Eric Metaxas Show with your host, Eric Metaxas. Hey there, folks. Welcome back. I get to talk to John Zmirak. I see that as a good thing. John Zmirak, welcome. Hey, Eric. It's really exciting to talk to you today. You know, today, in the wake of the Virginia election, I feel the way I did in 1980. I think he was 80 or 81. Um, no, I'm sorry. No, no, no. It was 80, 88, 88. When Poland had its first elections where non-communist candidates were allowed to run, and some of them actually won. The communists still had a majority, but it became clear they would allow some kind of free and fair election under their totalitarian system. After after the events of the 2020 election and after the vicious crackdown on the peaceful protesters of January 6th, I was genuinely worried we would never be allowed a real free fair election again. I was convinced the Democrats were going to steal it last night if they had to bring in hefty bags with Stacey Abrams' face on it full of ballots filled in with crayon. I was convinced they were going to steal it. So I love to be wrong about these things. I I love having conspiracy theorists on the show. The only problem is John is not one of them. John, (laughs) honestly, it is amazing that we live at a time... I always want to be, you know, since my last name is Metaxas, I want to be, I want to be slightly meta. And I, I always want to step outside and say, why is it? In other words, rather than just be all in and say, oh, the election was stolen. or what, I just want to say, isn't it amazing that we live at a time when in the United States of America, many people, millions, uh, over 100 million people, would genuinely have cause to doubt whether elections are being run fairly. I mean, I remember in 2000 when we had the hanging chads and I remember thinking, what is what is happening that in America we wouldn't know instantly who won? We're not that kind of a country. And it gets to the idea of of taking your eye off the ball and having institutions effectively erode or uh, have, the, have we the people take them for granted and, and no longer make sure that things are being run right so that you have two things going on, right? Things get worse, but then people also withdraw. They become cynical and they start saying, why vote? Why do this? Why do that? Because it's all a scam. And so for America to work, people must believe that generally speaking, things are as they say they are. When I vote, it gets counted. So the fact that we would even be talking about this, that, that we would even worry whether New Jersey's election will be counted accurately, it's just an amazing moment, at least for me, that we've come to this place in, in America. So, yes, it's good news that uh, McAuliffe uh, was, was you know, not allowed uh, to become the czar of Virginia, but it's just extraordinary that we are ourselves – like amazed that Youngkin won, given well, you know the strangest well, campaign ever, where you have McAuliffe talking about parents having no rights over what their kids learn in public schools that they fund with their taxes. I mean, it, I, I'm sorry, it's just I, I have to step outside myself sometimes. 
Eric, also for America to work, the two one of the political parties can't regard the other one as the moral equivalent of the Nazis. And that's what the Democrats made clear on election night 2016 and every day of Donald Trump's presidency after that. They were committed absolute obstructionists. They talked about the resistance. They said it was their duty to obstruct, to disrupt, to stop the normal functioning of government. You had the deep state, disobeying the orders of the legitimate elected superiors. You had the FBI scheming with the media to promote a false, deranged conspiracy theory that Vladimir Putin had fixed the 2016 elections. And then when the Democrats changed all the voting rules using COVID as a transparent pretext, allowed ballot harvesting, sent thousands of ballots to underage children and dead veterans, and then all the election machi machines in the crucial states on election night <clears throat> all somehow froze up at the same time because Donald Trump was still ahead. And we woke up in the morning and all of a sudden he was behind. And every one of the news media, including Fox News, was in on the fix. Oh, gee, maybe people became a little suspicious. The Democrats call every election they lose stolen. When Republicans bring evidence to court, the judges don't want to look at it because they know that if they do, activists will show up at their homes and picket their homes for weeks. That's what happened to the prosecutor in Omaha, Nebraska, who tried to vindicate Jake Gardner. He was defending his business and himself against looters and thugs during the Black Lives Matter riots. One looter had attacked his father, knocked him to the sidewalk. He had Eric, he had Jake Gardner in a, a wrestling sleeper hole trying to choke him out. This can, multiple convicted felon choking out the owner of this bar. He reaches over his shoulder and finally shoots the guy in self-defense. 36 days they picketed the prosecutor's home until he finally appointed a special prosecutor from one of George Soros's prosecutors. And that guy tried to send Jake Gardner to prison for life. The media pack hounded him. Jake Gardner committed suicide. That's what's supposed to happen to Glenn Youngkin. That's what's supposed to happen to Chris Rufo, the reporter who exposed the critical race theory, because our, our opponents in America are now our enemies. They regard us as enemies, as racists, as bigots. If you look at the news coverage of the Virginia win, you'll see mainstream news, news outlets like CNN and MSNBC in their news reports saying the power of white ignorance, white backlash, residual racism. They, they are morally delegitimizing Yunkin before the, the ballots are even finished being counted. It's, um, it's astonishing. And I think we should never cease to be astonished by it. When something is monstrous, we have to say, this is monstrous. This is un-American. Um, you know, I saw the other day, uh, Sean Spicer was on with Bill Maher on his HBO program. I don't watch HBO. I was in a, in a hotel and I saw it. And I was really amazed at how impressive Spicer was when he was, he didn't bring it up, but Bill Maher in his just superlatively sneering way. He's really, uh, you know, if, if a sneer could be perfected, he, he is asymptotically approaching the, uh, the, the telos of sneering. And I have to say, or the, or the platonic form of sneering, he was pushing Sean Spicer, trying to get him to say, uh, of course, 
Biden was elected. And Spicer, in a, in a, in a feisty way, with facts, was trying simply to sound reasonable. He wasn't even making any big claims. But what fascinated me was how the, the, the sneer carries the day. In other words, if you can get the audience to just go with you, looking at the facts is scary. Looking yeah. at the facts is scary. I mean, God forbid somebody like Bill Maher concluded like, hey, you know what? They have some kind of a point. There's something to talk about here. He would lose his career. Yeah. I mean, it's just like any Aristotelians who dared to look through Galileo's telescope, like, oops, you shouldn't have done that. You're going to lose your job at the University of Padua. It's kind of amazing that we're living in times like that where prosecutors, judges, they are all, rather than doing their job and saying, let the, let the, let the chips fall where they will, they are caving to the mob. Uh, it's, I guess the, the long and the short of it is that by having Yunkin win yesterday, uh, it simply gives uh, a shot of courage to people who, who need it very, very sorely. I mean, that's one thing we try to do um, on this program. Um, what are you going to write about the uh, about what happened last night? Absolutely, I'm I'm finishing up a, a different series at, at Stream.org, but I will absolutely be writing about this election. One thing it shows us is that the social issues are the only issues. Republicans need to focus on the social issues, on the culture war, because the culture war is real. When a school board can let a boy in a dress hang around in teenage in girls' bathrooms and he commits multiple rapes. And the school board responds by covering it up. And then when the father of the girl who was raped tries to speak at a school board meeting, the school board has him arrested, contacts the FBI. The FBI announces that parents going to school board meetings are potential domestic terrorists. These are the social issues. It's not about tax cuts. It's not about deregulation. We're, n we're not in Ronald Reagan's America anymore. We are now in Brandon's America. Let's go, Brandon. We, ha we, have, we have an incompetent, senile, corrupt hack who may be compromised by China sit sitting in the White House asking for ice cream. We're going to be right back talking to John Zmirak. Folks, please go to ericmetaxas.com. Sign up for the newsletter. Sign up all your friends. Any emails you have, sign them up so we can get you these videos, these wonderfully filmed interviews. We've got to spread the message. We've been canceled from YouTube. We need your help. Thank you. Hey there, folks. I'm talking to John Zmirak, and we're going to drag John Zmirak, not literally, into hour two today just to make it really exciting. Um, John, before I uh, ask you about everything, um, I want to make clear again, folks, uh, Mike Lindell at MyPillow needs our help. All the big box stores, craven cowards that they are, is that redundant, um, have canceled him. Uh, but he's going to pass on the savings to us. He is doing that. If you use the code Eric, go to MyPillow.com or FrankSpeech.com has some insane uh, 
sales, and of course, mystore.com. Use the code Eric. And I want to say to John, John, you didn't know this, but uh, the reason Albin uh, and Chris aren't here today, they are taking um, the two of them, just the two of them. They need, needed this time to work on their relationship. They're taking a bicycle tour of the Lake District. It's really sweet. Uh, Albin packs a picnic lunch, and they just – it's just it's a beautiful area. And I just wanted to say that uh, I can't wait till they come back. But I'm, I know this is valuable for them to work on their relationship. Okay, so, John, <laughs> you've written um, – I, I sent out an email for folks who do get the newsletter at ericmetaxas.com. W- with your three pieces, you're writing a series. You don't do this often unless something's really important. Tell us about – the sure. series. Sure. It's called Three January 6th Red Pills for Your Friends and Family. Uh, in part one, I talk about the January 6th committee that the Democrats have set up in Congress with a few collaborator Republicans. Normally, in our bipartisan system, the majority party appoints a majority of the people on a committee, and the minority party gets to appoint its representatives. So it'll be 11 Democrats, 10 Republicans. Uh, for the January 6th committee, Nancy Pelosi took the unprecedented step of not letting the Republicans pick their own representatives. She picked them for them. She excluded anyone from the committee who is the least bit skeptical of what I call the official Stasi secret police line on what happened on January 6th. By by the way, doesn't the term January 6th committee sound like vintage Leninist terminology, doesn't it? The January 6th committee, if somebody said, what's that referring to? And you had no context, you'd say, well, it sounds like it sounds like Lenin, Uh, right? The The January January 6th committee. The January 6th committee will be meeting. Commissar Banks will not be included on committee. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Well, Stalin... Or Stalin, Stalin, yeah, of course. Stalin rose to power by knowing how to stack committees. He wasn't a political genius. He wasn't an intellectual. He was very good at stacking committees and using using dirt, behind-the-scenes dirt on yeah. people. He was also possessed so, by demons, but who wants to talk about that? Um, so that, the January 6th situation, the more time passes, and this is, look, I just always have to contextualize. For me, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to think that our FBI, our deep state, is capable of, of doing something like this. I wouldn't like to think that they are capable of thinking about it that they actually did what they did. Um, and it's going to take time for this, for people to process this nightmare. But you're doing that in these articles at stream.org. So l- let's get into uh, sure. the, the first in thing the you art- said is Pelosi did not allow the Republicans to pick their representatives for the committee. Right. So basically she, setting up, she set up a Stalinist show trial where the prosecution appoints the defense attorney and the defense attorney works for the prosecution. That's how Stalin conducted his purge trials when he executed all the Bolsheviks he, he regarded with suspicion and wanted out of the way. Well, that's how N- Nancy Pelosi is re- was running the January 6th committee. The Democrats pick which Republicans are allowed to be on the committee. So she picked a, a, a group of people like Dennis Kinzing, uh, Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney who hate Donald Trump, who hate conservatives, who hate the American nationalism and want to, at all costs, return the Republican Party to the control of people like 
George W. Bush and Jeb Bush. They would rather see Democrats win. They would rather see innocent Republican citizens, protesters go to prison, rot in solitary confinement now for nine months. Uh, they would rather do that than see the Make America Great movement uh, become more powerful in the Republican Party. Uh, they, they'd rather burn the building down than give up their corner office. It reminds me of the movie Office Space with the Nebuchadnezzar character who says, I can burn this building down. And then he does because they take away his red state, <laughs> his red stapler. Uh, the Republican Party is a red stapler to the likes of Liz Cheney. So she sets up this committee with puppets as the so-called defense representatives. They won't, what few conservatives are still around on the committee she won't, they won't even brief them. Uh, Representative Jim Banks is trying to get the same information provided to Democrats. The, the FBI is refusing to give the Republicans on the committee the same information as the Democrats. The FBI has thousands of hours of videotape, the Capitol Police, thousands of hours of videotape of, of January 6th, they won't release to the public. They're keeping it secret. They won't even give it to defense attorneys. And in fact, they once tried to refuse to give it to one of the judges in one of the cases. So we have secret evidence that you committed treason. We're gonna hold you in solitary con confinement for months. Uh, we're not gonna set your trial date and we're gonna keep the evidence secret. But everyone should believe that this is above board and American and fair because we said so. And if you don't agree with us, Oh, maybe you are with terrorists, huh? Maybe we need to look into your terrorist connections, yeah, huh? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you have an assignment on this program, folks. Standing assignment. Go to stream.org and find John's articles. John Zmirak, Z-M-I-R-A-K. Very important. We understand this stuff. Go to stream.org. We'll be right back. Folks, I uh, I just got a text that uh, uh, Albin has put clotted cream and scones uh, in the in the picnic basket. Isn't that sweet? That's so kind. Chris is really going to enjoy that. Hey, I'm talking to John Zmirak. John, where do we go from here? January 6th. I mean, look, there is something coming out called uh, – Capital T-O-L, Capital Punishment, a film by Nick, Nick Searcy that deals with what happened on January 6th. Tucker Carlson, uh, as you know and have said, is, is doing uh, something about this. The a evidence five is part series. He's doing a five-part series on Fox Nation uh, exploding the media narrative of what happened on January 6th. And I'm, I'm sitting down to watch it this week with great excitement. Tucker Carlson's being a hero on this. Where do you think this goes? I mean, as the nation discovers what's been happening, what our putative leaders have been doing. I mean, I just find it chilling. I find it absolutely chilling that they did this on January 6th. Well, we need to keep asking these tough questions. And any, some, anyone who presents himself as a conservative or Republican, be it a candidate, a fundraising group, a magazine like National Review – if it is taking the side of the secret police and the Stalinist purge trials against the side of peaceful demonstrators 
who were basically attacked by the police, um, you know what to do. You know these are not your friends. You know these are collaborators. You know that these are people working for the other side. Uh, in part two of my series at the stream.org, three January 6th red pills for your friends and family. In part two, I go through, it's called Gitmo on the Potomac, the conditions under which these mostly peaceful protesters, remember, they didn't burn down police stations and, and, and federal courthouses and loot cities and kill 12 people. That's what the George Floyd rioters did. These people showed up at the Capitol and a few of them took selfies. They walked across a couple of barriers that the police themselves had, had taken down. Most of them didn't even know they were violating any rules. They're sitting in solitary confinement nine months later on political crimes. Julie Kelly of American Greatness. If you're not reading American Greatness, you really don't wanna know what's going on. American Greatness for me has replaced National Review as the conservative magazine in America. It's doing a great job. Julie Kelly, the reporter there, has a long series where she's asking questions like, why are these protesters denied bail, unlike the violent George Floyd rioters? Why are their trial dates for relatively minor crimes still never fixed? Why have seriously ill defendants not received appropriate care, including cancer patients? Why are so many of them held in solitary confinement with only brief meetings with their lawyers? Why is the federal government withholding evidence from defense attorneys and even judges? Why keep thousands of hours of videotape secret under the pretext that it's a security threat? And why is political rehabilitation one of the goals of this incarceration? And this is happening. These people don't have lawyers of their own. Donald Trump should have paid for their lawyers, and I hold him accountable for that because he invited them there. He should be defending them. Anyway, it's another question. They are relying on public defenders. Some of the public defenders are cutting deals with judges where the, the, the person, the little old lady who was arrested for trespassing uh, or for illegal parading, um, in order to get out of solitary confinement, she agrees to undergo anti-hate retraining, where she has to read books about the Holocaust and, and, and like answer questions to show that she understands the evils of racism, Nazism, and genocide. And if she does that, the judge will, will give her a reduced sentence. As if these were Nazis we caught and tried at Nuremberg and we have to put them through denazification pr procedures. These are just people like you and I who showed up because they thought the election was being stolen. Guess what? When you treat peaceful protesters this way, it kind of gives more plausibility to the idea that these people would steal an election because they're right, acting like East Germany. I think that uh, in the same way, uh, like a lot of the people, the Islamic terrorists we held at Gitmo and then released, I think they become radicalized in prison. In other words, I think and I hope that most of these folks who are being held this way will run for Congress, yes. will become the kind of activists, people like Clapper, Brennan, Comey, Pelosi, uh, never dreamt would be unleashed on America. And then you'll see a real insurrection. It is called freedom. You're going to see a level of trouble you never dreamt of because you have forced these people uh, to stand up against you and what is considered genuine tyranny. We, we, we won a revolution. Uh, we fought a revolution. We won a revolution. Many, many Americans have died. And I think that when you push people this far, you're, you're going to see an actual insurrection. They're going to run.
for Congress. They're going to run for school boards. Uh, you have activated them. Thank you very much. That's right. I, I want to get a bumper sticker that says Kyle Rittenhouse, President 2040. And Kyle Rittenhouse is, a, is on trial right now for defending himself against felons and pedophiles who tried to kill him on the streets of Kenosha, Wisconsin. And the media is slavering for the death penalty. Uh, but the judge seems like he's actually quite reasonable and he's warning the jurors against all the fake news in the media. And if you I don't know if you remember, but for days they were trying to they were asserting without any evidence that Kyle Rittenhouse was a white supremacist. They found absolutely no evidence for that, never retracted, just moved on to the next talking point. Remember, Eric, in, in this war, our enemies are principalities and powers, but they're also monkeys throwing poop at the wall of the monkey house. And they just throw the poop, and if it sticks, they point to it and go, ha, ha. If it doesn't stick, they just move on to the next <laughs> John, that is that is too perfect. That is a little too perfect. Um, we look. Uh, I I am serious. I think that the 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 leftists uh, have overreached so dramatically that they they really have uh, unleashed the whirlwind upon themselves, and it's going to take time. But my goodness, as these facts come out and out and out and out, and even the most asleep American uh, begins to get a whiff of this, begins to say, "Hey, hey, wait a minute." I didn't I didn't know that. I didn't know that. It's going to be very interesting. I think the future is going to be very interesting. They have they've done us. um, It's gruesome, but it ends up being a favor in the long run because uh, they've awakened a sleeping giant called We the People. We'll be right back talking to John Zmirak. Folks, we are talking to John Zmirak. Before we continue, let me remind you, please go to MyPillow.com. Please go to MyStore.com. Please go to Nutramedics.com. Use the code ERIC. Uh, These are wonderful, wonderful folks uh, creating wonderful products. I use them, uh, and I'm grateful that they're sponsors of this program. John Zmirak, you just uh, used the phrase principalities and powers and monkeys throwing poop at the walls. I think that's what you said. Is that right? That's right. I, that is the the formal org chart of the media conspiracy. At the top, principalities over here, powers here to the right. Then you go down the org chart to monkeys in cages hurling poop at the wall. And those are the, the reporters. Those are those are the presenters. They are the, the commentators. That's where, you know, Chris Cuomo and... Um, I, I can't remember any of their names. Don, I don't, I don't Don Lemon used to have uh, a show on CNN. I don't know if he's he's still there. I think he fulminated himself unto death. It's really uh, it's scary. It's it's scary when somebody gets that angry over nothing. Um, but look, we are talking about a reality. There are people in jail uh, because of doing nothing on January 6th. My question is, are there folks uh, in the Senate, in the Congress who are fighting for them the way we might expect? Well, not nearly enough, but people like Ted 
uh, uh, Jim Banks and, and Ted Cruz are speaking up. Uh, but we, we, we're not done at the end of the evidence yet, Eric. I, I've got a part three of the series, three January 6th red pills for your friends and family. Part three, the feds breached the Capitol themselves. To what degree was January 6th an inside job instigated and organized and led by FBI infiltrators? We know now that the so-called plot to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan, BuzzFeed has reported that FBI infiltrators seem to have come up with the idea to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer and then recruited people to go along with it to become the conspiracy so that they could send them to jail. So this they is kind of look they, we no longer can can come up with stuff like hey let's get a let's get an exploding cigar to Fidel Castro. We used to be able to do that. The deep state used to sit around uh, after they graduated their Ivy League schools and they got the jobs. They would be able to do that kind of stuff. Now uh, you know they're not going after Cuba, but they're, they're thinking going after us. how can we get those American conservatives. Uh, that we didn't like when we were undergraduates at Harvard and Yale, and now uh, they've come up with some fascinating things. We're gonna we're gonna kidnap Governor Whitmer. We're going to breach the Capitol on January sixth. We're gonna make it look like they tried to take over the country, even though they had no guns. I'm thinking, you know, if if you wanted to commit an insurrection and you didn't kill some people, that's really embarrassing. Well, uh, actually- they didn't they didn't kill anybody. In fact, one of them was killed. So, wow, uh, it doesn't really uh, it doesn't really seem to make sense. Well, actually, you just got into something. One, virtually none of the people at on January 6th were involved in anything remotely proximate to violence. There was a small group, a militia-style group, that called itself the Oath Keepers. And these were ex-military and ex-police guys with serious skills. And they were talking about... This really crazy idea, okay, we have to say this is completely nuts. They said, we're going to show up in in D.C., and if Donald Trump invokes the Insurrection Act, we will be his militia, and we will take over the Capitol, and we will force them to rerun this election. There There was one group of rather crazy guys with some military skills, but the guy who was leading them, named Stuart Rhodes, is apparently an FBI agent. Uh oh. Oopsies. Now, here's the evidence that he's an FBI agent. He's at the center of this Oath Keepers conspiracy. Every one of his friends and associates are going to prison. Hey, hold on. This is we call this in showbiz and where this is showbiz. We call this a cliffhanger. Stick around. Hour two. More of these sentences. Metaxas Show with your host, Eric Metaxas. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Hour 2. In Hour 1, we were talking to John Zmirak, and in Hour 2, we continue talking to John Zmirak. After this segment, we talked to Jay Warner Wallace, and by the way, he is one of the best guests uh, on this show, Jay Warner Wallace, but maybe the best guest is John Zmirak, so let's just go to John. John, we'd love you to conclude some of those sentences that you okay. were speaking just before we went to the news break. Sure. 
Um, there was a small core group of people on January 6th who believed they were going to Washington, D.C. to serve as a deputized militia force that they thought Donald Trump would invoke under the Insurrection Act and they would help with reverse the steal of the election. These people were bonkers. They maybe may have been well-meaning at their core, but they were bonkers. They, they, these people need to be investigated. They are all going to jail, except the guy who led them, who organized this crackpot conspiracy. His name is Stuart Rhodes. He was the head of Oath Keepers. He was the guy who told them what to do, who told them where to go, who told them where to hide weapons, that they were going to be the secret militia force to restore Donald Trump as president. It was all his idea. And the FBI is not pressing any charges against him. The January 6th committee has not asked him to testify. They want Steve Bannon to testify, who hadn't worked in the White House for three years when this happened. But they don't want Stuart Rhodes, the guy who apparently organized the one part of January 6th that was genuinely crazy, was apparently an FBI plant. So this was so this seems to be a sting operation. This was yes. a sting operation that they yeah. said, let's find some crazy people who might go for this. And then uh, if we can lead them to, you know, carry a couple of zip ties, that's the end of America. Zeke Heil. Isn't that a sweet little plot? It's beautiful. And there's another one. Ray Epps. If, if this, uh, by the way, if you want more news on this, go to Revolver News. Darren Beatty at Revolver News has done all the great reporting on this. Uh, Mike Huckabee has been citing it. If there was one guy, and we have him on videotape, going up to, to the to the protesters outside, saying, "We have to go in the Capitol. It's about the Constitution. We have to storm the Capitol." And some of them are saying, "No, nah, I don't want to do that." Others are saying, "Are you a federal agent?" They're actually asking that on camera. It turns out he was a federal agent. Uh Uh-oh. He was a federal agent. Son of a gun. What are the odds of that, John, that he was a federal agent? Ray Epps. And and, uh, what is Ray Epps doing today? Ray Epps is sitting at home drinking his coffee because no charges have been filed against him. The The people who listened to him when he said, we have to storm the Capitol, they were all in jail. For in solitary confinement, the guy who told them to do it, the guy who ran around basically shoving them in through the door, he's sitting around watching the view. He's drinking chamomile tea because apparently he's a federal agent who recruited the people to do the fake insurrection on January 6th. That is currently much- being investigated by a Stalinist purge committee, a Stalinist show trial organized by the Democrats how in much, Congress. How much this do you is think, not your grandfather's America. How much do you think Democratic leadership like Nancy Pelosi knows about this? 100%. Nancy Pelosi, you think she knows all about this? I think she knows it. I think Liz Cheney knows about it. I would suspect that the George W. Bush and his family know about it. I think the, the Republican establishment conspired with the Democrat leadership to try to destroy the Donald Trump movement, to try to destroy the nationalist America first movement, to clear it out of the way. It was a mistake. We let them get there. We let them vote in 2016. We weren't ready to steal the election. Fine. It was a terrible mistake. It will never, never happen again. The people will never have a voice again. The oligarchy must close ranks. We must censor the media. We must get people fired. We must make everyone take the vaccine. We ha- 
This country's gotten too disorderly. The people are getting too loud. We have to show them who's really in charge. It's us. Um, shouldn't it be it is we? Now, listen, tough guy. Uh, <laughs> I want to ask you another question. And by the way, I don't know that it is. I think that usage yeah, determines you're that you're correct, actually. But let me just no, say no, this. No. no, no, no. Let me just say. Let me just say. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, I don't believe she's going to run again in 20. 20- 22 um she uh she wanted to go out like queen victoria you know uh she's uh, she's been in there since I, I i don't know i i think since since mcclellan was a general she's been in there but i think she decided in 2022 it's going to be such a bloodbath she doesn't want any part of it so she's going to go to the non uh feces infested part of san francisco it's very expensive to get there but I, I believe as a result of what happened yesterday in Virginia, the election of Yunkin and so on, I, I don't believe that she sees a way out except to leave. I just have to say that I, I hold Nancy Pelosi goes out not like Queen Victoria, but like Catherine the Great. I know what you mean. Um, I, uh, I have to tell you honestly that – if if she and others knew of this sort of thing, you, we let's let's be honest, okay? We know that they firmly believed that they were saving America. I, I'll give them that in in the, in committing these crimes, uh, in committing these crimes against we the people, they believed they were saving America. You know, good people, uh, bad people, uh, always believe they're doing good things. Hitler didn't think, oh, I'm demon possessed. Uh, that's why I hate the Jews. He didn't. He didn't realize that. He thought he's doing a great thing. He has been anointed. You know, he's riding the vector of history. And the reality is that all of these people that we have mentioned, whether it's the Bushes or anybody, they believe that they're saving America from Donald Trump and his minions like you and me and Steve Bannon. So, they they believe this. They let's face so it. They believe it. If they believe that, what does that mean? In me, what does it mean about their other beliefs? Well, they, I mean, look, it means they're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. We know that. But yes, well, go ahead. They believe the people are a threat to America. They believe that the experts and the people who went to the better sorts of schools um, and the sociologists and the teachers unions and the diversity coordinators and the government bureaucrats and the, feder- the federal bureaucrats – the deep state, the FBI, they are the real America. Right. And the people you see at Walmart and the people you see at shopping malls, and right. the people you see as firemen, they're not the real America. Yeah, yeah. Your mother and father and my mother and father uh, don't really deserve the same kind of vote as Nancy Pelosi. Um, let's be honest. Uh, this is true, John, what you just said. It's absolutely true. And But see – the problem is places like Yale, they made the mistake. They were so liberal that they let in, you know, white nationalist, racist, bigot freaks like like the two of us, for example. And now we are uh, in the immortal words of uh, I guess it was Apocalypse Now, like Kurtz, Kurtz. He's the weed up commands took us, you know, basically they are in big trouble right now because there are enough folks 
uh, out here who see what's going on. And this is going to take time. This can't happen overnight. But it is unraveling. Who thought that Tucker Carlson would be doing this big uh, story on this? Who thought that you'd be writing this? We're here now, and it's not looking good for our, our friends uh, on the, uh, the side against We the People. Well, they have shown their hand. I mean, you had Terry McAuliffe in a debate saying parents should not control what their children are taught in school. It's none of their business. Well, thank you. Thank you for making that perfectly clear. Now, that that was clear when they created the public school system in the late 19th century. Horace Mann said, the creator of mass public schooling, Horace Mann, said, our job is to save these children from their ignorant, bigoted parents and teach them to be good, liberal, post-Christian Americans. Okay, wait a minute. This is way too important. We're going to end this segment Uh, Tomorrow or the next day, you and I need to talk about what you just brought up. Folks, keep listening. Thank you, John. So you didn't get bonded out. So how long did you spend in jail? Well, it was 53 days altogether. 49 in solitary confinement. Uh, I think their solitary confinement cells were too crowded, so that's why they didn't put me in there initially. But that's a long, long time, especially in solitary confinement. And I'll tell you what, I can tell you a lot about that if you're interested. It's, uh, it was really, really bad. Well, tell, to actually tell us something about it. I mean, I don't think most of our viewers have been in solitary confinement on false charges in their own country. So it's an unusual experience. <laughs> I certainly hope that nobody ever has to go through that. But I, I tell people that I went to hell. It was hell. Now, if you ask somebody, Tucker, what is hell? And people will say, well, there's fire and there's this and there's that. Okay, I get that. Here's what hell really is, okay? Hell is isolation. Now, there was no river of fire for me, okay? But I was isolated and ice-cold air blowing on me 24 hours a day. I, I couldn't stop shivering from the whole time I was in there. And part of the thing about being in solitary confinement is it's supposed to be punishment. Well, what the heck had I done? I, I hadn't even been to trial for anything. But I was put in what amounts to a supermax. Uh, with the most hardened criminals that they had in that particular facility. But there was really, it was kind of a situation where you were off kilter. You didn't know if it was day or night. Um, You didn't know what time it was. Now, this prison that I was put in, this is not a happy little prison like on Andy of Mayberry where Otis the drunk would come in, let himself into the cell, sleep it off, Aunt B brings him breakfast in the morning and he goes home. No. This was a concrete box. It was, it was a coffin. I was in a concrete coffin with a huge steel door, and I was absolutely alone. What hell is, is isolation, and it's hopelessness. And, you know, sometimes it's deathly quiet in hell, but sometimes it's very, very loud. There is life in a manner of speaking, going on around you, but you don't have any interface with people. And people are 
herd animals. And so one of the things that you want to do is you want to be around people. One of the problems with this COVID lockdown is people get tremendous anxiety when they're separated from their family and everything that they know. And we know that people commit suicide and this, that, and the other thing. And this is terrible. This is terrible stuff. And don't think for a minute that people who are locked up in that hell don't think about those things. And I, I, I shared with Sharon the other day, um, one of the other things about this hell that I was in is you think about the anguish of the other people that are in the same situation that you are in. And in the middle of the night or the middle of the day, you could hear screams, screams echoing down the passageway of people that were either hurt or they were in anguish or something. And it was, it was actually absolutely, absolutely horrible.